0: For us, we're fortunate in that we've got an upstairs section of our room that works as an office and the kids are usually hanging out downstairs Mm -hmm. and my speakers up here on my computer are nice and loud so I can throw on some music if I need to or if the kids need quiet, I can plug in some headphones, but that way I'm not hearing the shouts and the screams and the cries. Oh yeah, screams and cries all the time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because mama's so mean
0: Yeah It doesn't happen on my watch I'm just saying Oh yeah No I'm just kidding it does (laughs) Hey Rachel Hey Ben How are you doing? doing pretty well you want to know something funny what i had a i mean it was a relatively busy morning not super stressful but just kind of frantic Mm -hmm. i feel like i say this every week friday mornings for me are frantic friday is when we actually record the podcast it goes out on thursdays
1: yeah and and it's also your only morning with our boys right so you're not quite practiced
0: well yeah i just i'm i'm normally in the rhythm of, uh, why do we, why do we do that again? Why Be, do we have me? On because
1: a, mornings are really hard and, and I have a, them for days. Of.
0: You need a break. It's yeah, it's not fair.
1: <laughs> it's not fair because
0: afternoons are so easy <laughs> anyways. So I'm not only trying to get them, you know, situated and stuff like that so that we can do this show, but then I come up here and I'm trying to get stuff set up. And you start telling me about this kind of controversial conversation that's going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, oh, I just, I can't handle all of the, I just thought it was funny.
1: Yeah. We kind of had a fight before we started this.
0: No, I wouldn't call it a fight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sort of.
0: Yeah. We don't, I don't know. I, I actually like fights. I like healthy fights. Yeah not the fights where I say stupid things that I end up regretting Mm -hmm. because you won't say anything
1: (laughs) because I'm stoic
0: (laughs) you are and and it's uh it's maddening I think that's kind of the the funny thing about our personalities is you tend to do that you tend to go to this like okay I'm not I'm just not going to say anything then and in the meanwhile like because you want to wait out your emotions and you want to because you don't want to say anything that you regret that's right. that's smart in the meantime I'm like, no we need to we need to solve resolve this thing right now
1: yeah mm-hmm. and
0: and I, it kind of drives me crazy
1: <laughs> I love you though yeah, I love you too
0: Wow, we were talking about so this this has been a point of conflict for us yeah this this whole getting work done and working from home and balancing that and and the fairness of the trade-off and all of those things it's it's a pretty complex thing
1: yeah it really is
0: so I thought it would be a good thing for us to talk about today yeah uh, because I feel like you and I have we've arrived at, and, and you know I, I want to be careful not to use the word arrived mm-hmm. it's a it's constantly evolving but where we are right now in our understanding of how to shape our schedule in order to maximize our ability to get work done while working from home with the kids, I feel like we're in a good place.
1: Yeah. I think it's taken a lot of time to get there. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't used to be as productive as we are.
0: <laughs> Definitely not. A lot of, a lot of trial and
1: error. Yep.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and jump right into this. We've got, we've got some good points and some great questions. And so, uh, I, first I wanted to talk a little bit about the way that you and I do things Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and uh, just to give you a peek into our daily lives. And right now our year is divided up between school season Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and not school season. (laughs) And that comes at different times for us. The, The way that our school year works is during the summer, the kids are home. And then there are a couple of smaller breaks um, in the fall, around Christmas, and then in the spring
1: mm-hmm.
0: where the kids are all home at the same time. And and so we we sh- shift it up a little bit, but we keep it pretty much the same. Yeah. So Monday through Thursday, I work in the mornings and I work until about 1230. Mm-hmm. With without being responsible for the kids whatsoever, right? And then you work from twelve thirty until about five thirty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, not responsible for the kids whatsoever, right? And then on a Friday, we we switch that. I work in the mornings, or I'm sorry, I'm with the kids in the mornings, and you work until about twelve thirty, and then I work from twelve thirty to five,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, five thirty.
1: Yeah. Now, and before all of that, like before kids are up, I get up at five every morning so that I can have, when they're in school, I only get about an hour before I need to go prepare for breakfast and all of that. But when they're out of school, I get maybe an hour and a half. Sometimes if I'm lucky, I get two hours. I yeah. can get a few more, you know.
0: Yeah. So that's, well, and and I want to talk about what happens in the middle of the day. There's, there are several not several. There are a few really major transitions and then several mm-hmm. smaller transitions in there. But right after lunchtime, there is quiet time and nap time. And that starts at, at about 1030 or 11. And uh,
1: yeah, usually around 11.
0: Yeah. So the kids, the the younger ones will take their nap. And I, I'm, I'm doing quotations right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Because, take their nap <laughs> because
0: sometimes, sometimes that's true and sometimes that's not true. But they'll take their nap from about eleven, and hopefully they make it until about one thirty, one thirty or two. Mm-hmm. So during that time, that's a little, a little bit of an overlap, right? Where even though you're still responsible for the kids, there are some things that you can get done, and then after twelve thirty, when I take over, the kids are still asleep. And hopefully I can get some stuff done. Yeah. When it's a n- not school season, it's more challenging because yeah. the older kids are home.
1: And, and they're super loud. Even yeah. though we we designate that time as nap time and quiet time, which means, you know, they can read books, they can do art, or they can write stories, write in journals, but it doesn't always work that way.
0: Yeah. And it varies from day to day whether or not they're going to do a good job with that. But, right. But I, I basically you or I cannot rely on that time being super productive and being able to really focus down when we're also responsible for the kids, even though they should either be taking a nap or be reading and and involved in quieter activities. Yeah. So, and then during the school year, of course, the older kids go to school as the years go on, more of the kids leave the house, which I I like. Mm-hmm. And I mean, do you like that too?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bittersweet for me. It's but... yeah,
0: it's nice that we have them home for the summer. But near the end of the summer, I'm like, okay, f- you know, finally, it's time. Yeah, you guys need to spend more time away from the house. Yeah, um, but they're away from the house, and so transitions are easier in some ways. Um, well, because
1: there are fewer kids. <laughs> right.
0: What's What's more difficult is the fact that bringing them to school, getting them ready for school is much more difficult. That morning time is much more frantic. Oh
1: yeah, it's like mayhem.
0: And then in the afternoon, they come home from school kind of wired, having been cooped up in a classroom all day. And so they're a little bit more wild. They have They have a lot more energy.
1: <laughs> but you usually just send them outside, so...
0: Yeah, I, I try to. Which is good. Uh, but that also, that transition breaks up the day a little bit and, and it makes the schedule a little bit more challenging. Yeah. So one's, one season is not better than the other. But,
1: mm.
0: well, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I think See, the when school
1: season is better.
0: When we're in the school season, I like the the non-school season better. And when we're in the non-school season, yeah, I like the school I season I guess that's better. true.
1: I think, I think the school season is hard because you have to like, in order to get anything done in the morning, I have to get up earlier. I think last year, because we had just had the baby, I mean, this, this last semester I was getting up at like four in the morning to Mm -hmm. do all of my stuff. I don't look forward to doing that again.
0: 4 a.m. club. Yeah. (laughs) No, thank you.
1: Yeah. It was rough.
0: So if you didn't pick it up in our, in us telling you about our schedule, there are very clear set aside times where one or the other of us is not responsible for the kids Mm -hmm. in any way. And one of the realities that I fought against and wished wasn't true and, and finally had to accept was that when you're responsible for the kids, you definitely can't do your best work. You can't do your most focused work but even even the stuff that you might be able to do while you're distracted is going to suffer from your divided focus your divided attention yeah and I fought I fought against that for a long time and that was what was really frustrating in the early years Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when it was like I you know the when when and it's it's a little bit deceiving when you're Child is a baby, they don't do much.
1: Yeah, it's easy to work when your child is a baby.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess it really, depending on their age and the needs they have, yeah, there are different levels of responsibility, but, but they're certainly from about one, well, really, and when, when they're mobile.
1: Yeah. Until, I mean, you can, you can set up parameters that make it, I mean, I remember putting Jaden in a playpen whenever we'd. Play gigs or have practices and stuff. And that was a really easy solution Yeah, to working.
0: So the, the amount of attention that your child might require from you varies depending on their age, mm-hmm. but there is this range in there where it, it really becomes this thing that doesn't allow you to do any focused work whatsoever.
1: Yeah, and that may be discouraging for parents to hear, but... You know, the, there are different seasons of that too. So we're, we're kind of coming into a season or soon, I think we'll be coming into a season where at least one of them might be able to be left alone to kind of tend to himself. Although, mm, yeah, I don't know. It's kidding. it's a group of boys and they think of crazy things to do. So <laughs> I don't know if that'll ever be for well, us, but
0: yeah, yeah. It really depends on the child there's no clear you know this age range is is okay, and this one's not it's It really depends on the maturity level of your child how self sufficient they are
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and then you know how many children you have so whether they're you, boys or
1: girls i'm yeah, just kidding
0: <laughs> there there are a lot of different factors but but really that reality, as discouraging as it might be, is at the same time also freeing because. Once I realized that, Mm -hmm. I stopped trying to put the pressure on this time that I had with my kids to be a time when I could produce work.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, And it forced me to be more creative with my time and think, okay, so I can't do my best work here. Where else can I do it? How can we shape our schedules? How can I work with Rachel to make sure that I have... Time where I can give my undivided attention to my work. Yeah. So that when I spend time with my kids, I don't have to think about work. I don't have to have that pressure Mm -hmm. because it was it was putting a strain not only on on my ability to work, but on our our relationships with the children.
1: Oh yeah, I was just going to add that. What I've noticed whenever I'm working on things with the kids, sometimes I'll you know get this harebrained idea in my head that I'm going to spend thirty minutes you know, sending out a, a a pitch for a story or something. Yeah. And not only does it take more than 30 minutes when I'm responsible for the kids, but I find myself with every need that they have, I find myself getting more and more frustrated about it. And it's just, you know, it's normal things that kids need. It's like they need milk or they need more more toilet paper or, you know, and it's just like, oh my gosh, every single thing, is so annoying because I'm trying to get this one thing done. Yeah. So if I just like if I just take that off my plate, we have a much better morning.
0: That's right. So I can't I can't answer every scenario out there. I'm sure that there are some people listening who feel like I I have to work from home. I don't have any help. And what you just said
1: yeah. completely
0: deflates me. But that's the reality. And and so i'd I'd rather work from there and try to be creative and find different ways to mm-hmm. shape our schedules to work at different times to maybe have the courage to ask for help some people Some people have folks around them who are willing to help and and they're just waiting to be asked
1: yeah and i I did want to say also that uh one of the things that we learn in these seasons of Trying to work with kids at home is that we train ourselves to be so hyper focused that if we're doing it the correct way, you know if we're working within the small amount of time that we have, and then once our schedule opens up when either the kids are older or they go off to school or whatever it may be, we have the ability to be incredibly focused on what it is that we want to do, and that's something that I've found with myself as we have more kids going off to school and I gain a little more time here and there is that what I'm doing with that time is so much more focused than it used to be.
0: Yeah. So for me, when I had a lot of time and I didn't have as many responsibilities, I wasn't nearly as efficient of a Mm -hmm. worker as I am now. And so in some ways I'm thankful for the, the time constraints that came into my life in the form of children because It forced me to really look at the way that I was using my time, the way that I was, the, the kind of productivity that I had and, and saying, okay, if I really want to get stuff done, my time is squeezed. I can't afford to just be lazy and unintentional about how I spend my time. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it's not true for you. Maybe you're in a situation where you do have plenty of time, but I would say even in that case, Really examine your habits and, and look at where you can maximize your productivity and your focus. If you are squeezed for time, you definitely want to work on that. Yeah. And, and so one of the things that I've really tried to practice is getting into flow faster. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what that is, getting into flow means that you kind of experience this everything else in the world fades away and it's just your work and you're just really rolling with it, it when you when you feel like you're on a roll w- when you're working and there's nothing else that could distract you like a a plane could crash into the house next to you and you wouldn't even notice
1: i don't know about that yeah, but about that. <laughs>
0: but but that's getting into that uh normally takes quite a bit of time but the more you the more you practice and if you, set up, if you set things up correctly ahead of time, anticipating that you want to get to that that state of flow, you can lower the amount of time that it takes to get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's really important. S- some of us maybe do have several hours available, but because of the way our children's schedules work, it's so broken up that we don't have eight solid hours. Mm-hmm. That's certainly the case for us. I don't know if I could even work <laughs> with eight solid yeah. hours, honestly. But yeah. but getting into that state of flow is really important when your time is squeezed because you want to get to that productivity as soon as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was uh, I've had people ask me that question because <clears throat> the first book that I wrote, I wrote when I was still working full time and I was a mother of five and I wrote it in half hour segments for 365 days. So for a whole year, I was writing every single day for 30 minutes a day. And people would always ask me, well, how did you get into flow? How did you keep the storyline going and all of that? And, um, they're just, you know, some intentional focused things that you can do to ensure that that happens.
0: Yeah. So one of the, one of the really big things is to have a schedule mm-hmm. to, to plan ahead and look at whatever That chunk of time is and say, okay, from this time to this time, this is what I'm working on. And then from this time to this time, I'm going to work on this. And for me, instead of having a task list, a task list is good. It's, it's good to know like what's on your list of things to do. But when you schedule it, when you give it a a set aside time, Mm -hmm. then there's no question of, okay, which one of these things should I do? Right. You're, you're less likely to give into, there's, this kills your productivity when you have a list of things to do and each of them seems equally important. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: whenever you start on one, you feel guilty that you're not working on the others.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You, You just can't get into flow that way. So when you schedule it, it's, it's almost like you're saying, I'm, I'm, I know you think all of these things are equally important, but this task belongs in this time slot. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing you're doing with that time slot.
1: Yeah, and I I do that. I have my day structured out for, you know, the, all those different things. But one thing I have found with that is that when it deviates from that schedule, it's hard for me to figure out, okay, where is this going to go now? You know, where does this? So when I say deviates from that schedule, if there's something unplanned, like, you know, I broke my foot and I had to be taken to the ER, that was extremely unplanned (laughs) yeah so it kind of I think the next day when I sat down for work I was just like where do I start you know
0: you know I wonder we're gonna we're gonna kind of do this live because I have some some thoughts Mm -hmm. and I don't want you to take this the wrong way
1: oh great so
0: so one of the tendencies we have uh, especially when we have a lot of other responsibilities um, vying for our time is that when we have work time available we fill it completely mm-hmm. we say well all of all of this time that i have available to work i need to make the most of and so i need to have something scheduled for every minute yep and uh, and and we don't leave any margin and the problem is that interruptions and and not not just from the kids, but just, you know, like you said, from breaking your foot and having to go to the doctor and interruptions are inevitable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so if you don't have any margin built into your schedule, then you're constantly going to have that experience where you're having to uh, try to adjust and squeeze something in and, and or make something fit where really it doesn't fit because you've already completely filled your schedule. Mm-hmm. And so... That just means you're probably doing too much.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. I, I do have margin in my schedule too. Like I've, I've since built that in, in the last like three weeks. That's good. That's <laughs> because good. I kept, I kept filling every hour and when one would get derailed.
0: It's so hard to do though, because that work time feels so precious, mm-hmm. but really the, I love the way Aaron Dowd in the chat room puts it. He says, your work time is the bread. And you need a little margin for flavor. <laughs> Although I would say butter. Yeah. Instead of mar- margin. Margarine. Butter is better.
1: He's not saying margarine. He's saying margin.
0: Wait. Oh, I- I'm confused. Yeah. You so we, are need confused. To, we need to schedule margarine?
1: No. You're so dumb.
0: We've already done this joke. Oh, on really? a, on another podcast. Oh, okay. It's a fun yeah. One, though. That figures. It's hard to not want to fill every minute, but that margin really does make the time that you do have set aside for work more more focused, and and then you don't run into the problem of having to reschedule things or move things around when interruptions come. Yeah. Um, another thing that you can do to improve your focus when you sit down is to. Prepare your workspace ahead of time. And this is something that I'm still working on for myself. But when you, and, and, and it has to work hand in hand with the schedule, when you can anticipate what you're going to be doing, you know, after, after this next break or the following morning, mm-hmm. you know, okay, this is the task that I'm going to work on. Pretend that you're just sitting down and you have five or 10 minutes before your work time actually starts. And you get to set everything up just so perfectly so that when, when your work time begins, you're able to just get to work right away. Mm-hmm. You don't have browsers open with social media. You don't have Netflix up. You don't have other programs that you don't really need. You don't have your messages app up. Whatever, whatever it is that helps you to focus the most, set some time aside at the end of your work time. It could be at the end of your day or it could be at the end of a scheduled section where you're going to pick it up later in the day. But at the end, set some time aside to set up your workspace for the next activity.
1: And I think that setting up the workspace is, it looks differently depending on what you do. So for me as a writer, setting up the workspace means gathering the journals that I need. But it also means knowing which essays I'll be writing and what exactly they're going to be about. It doesn't. It doesn't mean necessarily knowing exactly what I'm going to say, but it means knowing the topic. Yeah. That I'm going. That in this hour here, I'm going to be writing about. And so I, I think for different people, it it maybe looks differently.
0: Yeah, definitely. You'll have to apply it to your own situation. I mean, maybe your work doesn't have to do. Maybe the next thing on your list doesn't have to do with sitting down in front of a computer, Mm -hmm. but whatever it is that's going to help you jump in when your work time starts and, and just do your work and not have any other distractions, that's, that's going to help you do your best work Mm -hmm. and get into flow faster.
1: You know what I've also started doing, and I don't know if this could help anybody, but um, I actually schedule my social media time. So I give myself like 20 minutes in a work day because my time is so short. Uh, That's about all that I have to give to social media. And, you know, I'm not a big social media person anyway, but it can be like a black hole a lot of times. Oh, my goodness. Because of, you know, I mean, we have to stay present on it because we have followers and all of those things. But it just, it really sometimes can take us away from the the focused work that we need to do. And so I've started just scheduling it you know, from this time to this time, that's when I'm doing it. And then they all get closed out after that.
0: So you're not even talking about using it recreationally. You're talking about when it's uh, even, even though it's useful to the work that you're doing, Mm -hmm. you set that side, you you set that time aside specifically for social media because of the potential that it'll just suck you in.
1: Right. And, and it's scheduled as platform building time, you know, like it's not even, I'm using it for pleasure. I'm using it for business.
0: Yeah. Now I will say, I will say equally important to scheduling margin is scheduling breaks for recreational things or rest.
1: And (laughs) and this
0: is, this is hard, uh, but, but that, that can also, it will really help your productivity during the time that you're working because the things that it's, if, if you're doing the right kind of work, even if you get into flow, there are going to be spots that are tough to work through. There are going to be things that where you feel some resistance. And, and so one of the things that helps you to work through that, besides your own personal self-discipline, is knowing that there is time set aside for the things that you would normally go to to, to get you away from that uncomfortable feeling of dealing with resistance to say, okay, I'm going to work through this because I know that in 30 minutes I get to have five minutes of playing on the Xbox.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about five minutes playing on the Xbox, but <laughs> could yeah. that really be play when you're only doing five minutes? No, I, I schedule reading time. That's kind of play for me into my day. So
0: yeah and and play rest recreation that can that can look like a number of things but it is important to schedule that and set it aside that way you can just hold it in your mind and you know okay that's that's there and i can really just focus on my work right now okay so we we spend a lot of time talking about getting into flow and i and and the reason i really wanted to bring this in when it comes to this idea of getting work done with kids, this applies not only to people who have children, but people who don't have children. So I felt like it was a really good thing to to park on for a little bit. So now I, I want to shift and get into the boundaries. Okay. And w- when you and I were talking about how we set up our schedule, what you also probably heard was that there were these clear set-aside Boundaries where I am not responsible for the kids, and I get to just focus on my work. Mm-hmm. And then when we switch, you are not responsible for the kids, and you just get to focus on your work. But it's not it's not just the the not being responsible for the kids, but it's but it's also not having the the possibility of distraction
1: mm-hmm.
0: because you can't when the possibility of distraction exists, you can't be as focused as you can be when you know that you're not going to be interrupted. Yeah. And so I want to I talk a little bit about how we create those boundaries and, and how we maintain them. Um, removing the possibility of distraction is is really one of the biggest things.
1: Yeah. And it's hard when you're a parent who works from home and your kids are home.
0: Yeah. So, so for us, one of, one of the ways that we do that is that our workspace – and this may be obvious for some people, but for some of you, it just hasn't occurred to you that your workspace should definitely be separate from where your kids are going to be hanging out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not only should you not be able to see them, but if you if you can manage it, not being able to hear them is nice as
1: well. <laughs> yeah, we use headphones. That's right.
0: And for us, we're fortunate in that we've got an upstairs section of our room that works as an office and the kids are usually hanging out downstairs Mm -hmm. and my speakers up here on my computer are nice and loud so I can throw on some music if I need to or if the kids need quiet I can plug in some headphones but that way I'm not hearing the shouts and the screams and the cries oh yeah screams and cries (laughs) all the time
1: Cause mama's so mean.
0: Yeah. It doesn't happen on my watch. I'm just saying. Oh yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It does. (laughs) But, but you want to, you want to do what you can to avoid the possibility of distraction. And there's a, a, this is, I I wanted to talk about the rule of reciprocity. Are you familiar with this?
1: Uh, Maybe.
0: I'm, tying this loosely to the subject, but r- the rule of reciprocity says that if somebody gives a gift, the person who received the gift not only feels uh, indebted, but, but more so than the value of the gift that was received. So somebody might buy someone a cup of coffee and that person feels like, well, now I owe them lunch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the person, and, and then to, to get out of that indebtedness they buy them lunch. And then the person who got the free lunch is like, well, I, I guess I should buy them tickets to the next game. You know. And then the person who received the tickets is like, well, I guess I should buy the other person a car or something. And it just keeps escalating. Mm. It's not really that bad. But the rule of reciprocity and the way that it comes into play with our schedules is if we break that boundary and we allow our family life to seep into our work time, When we're spending time with our families, we're going to feel indebted to our work Mm. and we will make exceptions. And and this is just a natural thing. So unless you're really intentional, you you will naturally make exceptions that you wouldn't normally make with your family time in order to satisfy that indebtedness to your work. But it creates this cycle, Mm. this back and forth cycle yeah. That begins to erode the quality of time that you have with, with either of those.
1: Hmm, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. So if you see that happening, if, if, you, if you recognize that that's going on, you've got to put a stop to it and you've got to reestablish those boundaries. And it's not something that you can just set in your own mind, but you have to communicate those expectations with your family and with your clients or the the people for whom you work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk about the family real quick. the The no-brainer one is the spouse. You definitely need to have a really clear conversation with your spouse about what the expectations are for when you're working. And if you've already set some expectations but certain rules are being broken, you know, talk about that. I know that you have... Some things that you need to talk to me about, Rachel, for your work time,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. because I've been breaking the rules a little bit.
1: Yeah, you have been.
0: So I apologize. (laughs) But certainly with your spouse, you've got to get on the same page so that they work with you to protect that time. Mm -hmm. You can also, and, and you should, talk to your kids. There was a question in the chat, and I wanted to bring this in from... Brian, he asks, how do you make your child understand that you cannot be there for them just because you're in the house without making them irreparably sad?
1: Oh, this is a, I think this is a hard one because, um, I was going to use an example back when you were talking about, uh, the distractions, make sure that no distractions come through the door. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that were happening that was happening when, uh, our boys were in school is that as soon as they as soon as the two older ones who were in school got home They would come barging into my room. Yeah Um. and For a while I was kind of annoyed about that because you know, it was it was taking some of my work time but at the same time I understand because they haven't seen me all day The last time they saw me was 7 30 in the morning when I dropped them off and they Just wanted to come say hi and give a quick kiss and then they were gone. You know, it wasn't like they were coming in to just talk on and on and on. Sometimes they, the eight year old would do that. But so I, I kind of allowed for that in my schedule Yeah, and I would watch the clock and know, Oh, they're going to be home around three and I know that they're going to come barging into the room and it'll take maybe 10 minutes, you know?
0: Yeah. So that's uh, kind of try to observe from the outside what's happening. Mm -hmm. So if, if in spite of all of the rules and structures you put in place, there is a rule that is consistently being broken and in spite of your best efforts that, that it's just not going to change instead of trying to continue to fight against that, maybe just build it into your schedule because then you take, and, and here's, here's what I'm, what I want to speak to about children and when they interrupt or when they break the rules it is appropriate and you can do this without making them irreparably sad but it is appropriate to let them know to to say hey here are the boundaries and right now you've broken the boundary and and in order for me to be able to work I need to keep it and 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 to have that conversation with them it's good for them to understand that it's good for them it it, it helps them to learn how to interact with with people in real life who have work expectations, who have times when they need to focus and when they're not available. Yeah. I mean, our our kids really are going to be okay if we're not available to them all the time.
1: Well, especially if we're having that conversation with them about what we're doing. Because I think one of the things that we've tried to do with our eight-year-old is he's very much an artistic kid. He loves to sit and... and make up stories and do drawings and he's writing a picture book right now. And just talking with him about how much concentration that takes. I mean, he gets annoyed when his old, when his younger brothers bother him. And so making that connection for him, telling him, this is what I'm working on. And when you interrupt, it's like when your brothers interrupt you. Yeah. And it's, it's valuable for them to make that connection because then they, you know, it goes back to the empathy thing they learn how to be empathic of our situation and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but
0: well, and I I will say this before you, before you go there, before you get to reestablishing, you want to, you want to grant the audience because the rule has already been broken. Mm -hmm. There's really no point in getting angry and making a display. And if they've, misunderstood the rule or even if they're breaking it intentionally, um, granting granting them the audience for whatever it is that they just couldn't, it's so important to them. You know, yeah. J- when Jaden draws a picture and he's coming into our room to show us and we should be working, it, it's a misunderstanding of the importance of what we're doing versus, the, versus how important his thing is to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, even though he's breaking the rule we don't want to we don't want to put the focus on the rules we want to put the focus on the importance of what we're doing but you have to demonstrate that by also honoring his time and so and so you do grant the audience but but you immediately follow that up with and here's the expectation you have broken it this is why it's important and and help them understand yeah and this also doesn't mean that you have to give them the entirety of what they want as your, as your attention. Mm -hmm. What, what I've found works great is saying, thank you for sharing this with me. I really can't listen to all of what you want to show me right now. Let's set aside a time Mm -hmm. where we can sit down and do this and actually schedule it. So not only are you, not only are you saving yourself from maybe another five or 10 minutes of distraction or interruption, but you're also demonstrating for your child what it looks like to schedule something and to create that anticipation. And then, you know, obviously you should fulfill that. Yeah. So that they see how committed you are. It will
1: happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it doesn't always work with him either. He's a very strong willed child. And so um, our other kids, that technique usually works on them, but for him, it's kind of, you know, whatever he's in the mood for. So I know that sometimes I've gotten to where I'm like, Hey, Jaden, if I don't finish this, you're not going to have food on the table tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so,
1: which is not, you know, not completely true, but sort of is, you know?
0: Yeah. So. It's, it's hard depending on the age of your child. They really can't comprehend all of the complexity, mm-hmm. but, but we're, you know, like we've said before with other things, we're building a framework that, though our children may not be able to fill in with meaning now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, they'll be able to later. And that framework that we've spent time building and giving them language for will help them to grasp the meaning of that sooner. Yeah. So talking to your talking to your family about those expectations is important, and and being on the same page and. On the other side of it, you also want to create some clear boundaries and expectations with your clients so that you're protecting your family time. Mm-hmm. Again, coming back to that reciprocity, if you, if you take away from your family time to do work, when you get into your work, you feel indebted to your family. Mm-hmm. And so you want, to, you want to avoid that cycle altogether. And, and communicating those boundaries and upholding them with your clients is a great way to, to avoid that. And this is difficult sometimes because we – and this is really true for me. Sometimes I am a little bit unrealistic with my deadlines. Yeah. And I put myself in a situation where if I don't work later, if I don't break that rule, I'm compromising my end of the deal with that client. And so then I, then I weigh that out and I'm like, okay, well, do I want to – deliver on this and, and be true to my word and save that client relationship? Or do I need to come to the client and say, Hey, I messed up. I need to push the deadline. What would you, I'm kind of curious because I'm still wrestling with that question. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What would you do in that situation? Is it better to push the deadline and and to say, Hey, I miss, I, I didn't estimate the time that I would need correctly so that you maintain that boundary Mm. or, or do you break the rules so that you can keep your commitment?
1: Well, so this is, this is coming from a journalist. I mean, that's, you know, I'm a career journalist. And so not meeting a deadline meant that there was a huge hole in the paper, which meant that they couldn't print until that hole was filled. And so to me, the deadline is extremely important. And one thing that we can learn from setting deadlines and not being able to meet them is to add in a little more cushion time. So, so I would say in this, you know, it may not be the right answer for everybody, but I would say that in that instance, we would have to figure out the time in order to meet the deadline.
0: You know, and maybe what I'm missing here is, is this, that you don't look, there are other places where you look for that time first. Mm -hmm. So for me, that would be, the time that I have between when the kids go down to bed and when I'm going to go to sleep, right. where, I, where I would prefer to be laying in my bed looking at my news feed or reading a book,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I should instead use that time to work. Maybe it means I get thirty minutes or an hour less sleep, or I wake up earlier the next day. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough call, but. As, as much as you can avoid that and as much as you can make it clear when you're, uh, hopefully you turn off your notifications and you don't get phone calls from your client at eight o'clock at night. But if somebody's calling you at eight o'clock at night and you don't answer your phone, that's sending a message that you're not available.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: If you answer your phone and say, oh, hey, I can't talk right now. I'm with my family.
1: They, mm, they will yeah. hear,
0: they will hear that you're with your family, but what they'll also hear the message that you're not saying, but that you are sending to them is that you answer your phone at eight o'clock.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, uh, the same thing goes with other digital communications. If you are replying to an email late at night, sometimes it would be better for you to write your response to that email at, at a time when a client normally shouldn't be able to get a hold of you or hear from you, mm-hmm. write your response, but wait to send it until the next day when, when they really should be able to expect to hear from you. That way you can maintain that expectation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually have created business hours for myself in the early morning, you know, right before kids get up, when I return all the emails that I need to return and all of those things. And it's taken work to not, receive an email and feel like it's really pressing, you know? Cuz sometimes it can it can seem like this is really urgent and I really need to answer it right now. But the truth is, the world can wait until the next day.
0: Well, and it feels more urgent probably. It feels more urgent to you because it's sitting in your inbox than it feels for the person who sent the message. Yeah. Unless, unless they write in all caps.
1: <laughs> uh.
0: So there were a few questions that I wanted to get to here. We covered a few of them. So Scott Hofford asks, if you're the only one at home watching the kids, how do you keep an eye on them while working? And, and I feel like I kind of already answered this, but you really don't. I mean, you definitely don't do your best work, but if you have to, if if there are some things that you have to get done while you're responsible for the kids, maybe something happened with your schedule and things shifted, it may be appropriate. This This is just on a rare occasion. Don't make this the rule, but on a rare occasion, it may be appropriate to set them up with something that's going to be more engaging, that can hold their attention and keep you from having to be as focused
1: Mm -hmm. like a movie you're saying yeah Yeah. we we don't promote that kind of stuff but sometimes it's absolutely necessary I think yesterday there was a client you needed to talk to and it was like the only time that that person could talk to you was during the hours when I was supposed to be working and so
0: and and again you, you have to deal with that in that situation, but you also should ask yourself, okay, why am I in this situation? Was it because I didn't communicate something clearly? Was it because I didn't set the right kind of boundaries? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's good to take those situations and learn from them and do better in the future when you can. Also, another question you should ask yourself is, is the work that I'm trying to do while I'm responsible for the kids... Am I am I going to do the quality of work that I should? Am I going to be able to get it done as efficiently as I want to? Yeah. Or is it better to not do it now and be creative and find a time when I when I can work on it undistracted?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and sometimes you'll find that if you were to do the work, even though even though there's a deadline and you want to get it done. If you were to try to do the work there, it could take you two or three times longer. It wouldn't be nearly as good a quality as you can do when you're focused and you don't have to worry about those other responsibilities.
1: Yeah. I've tried to write news articles while I'm watching the kids and I go back and read the rough drafts and I'm like, oh my God, I might as well just start over. (laughs) It's terrible. Uh, But I would also say that it depends on the kids' ages too because... You know if you have really little kids who need constant supervision, that's when it makes it really hard. I think the ones who are hardest for us right now in light you know in the in the whole discussion of trying to get something done are the three year old twins yeah I feel like the the other boys, when they're occupied with being outside or playing a game together or something they're pretty they're pretty easy but Our our twins are the ones who have to be constantly watched.
0: Yeah. So it may be that you could, depending on the kind of work that you're doing, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it may be that you could set them up with something that's similar as an activity. Mm -hmm. So you do the work up front of getting everything arranged for it. So for me, it might be if I'm going to work on a hand lettering piece or if I'm going to be sketching out logo ideas or something like that, I can set up around the table the crayons and, and the papers or the coloring books. Yeah. Get all that stuff set up and say, okay, everybody, we're going to sit down and we're going to have some coloring time. So you get out your sketch pad and your pencils and you do your work. And, and it's a specific kind of work, right? It's it's the kind of work that where you were you doing it on your own in, in an office, you might have some music playing in the background. You might have some other stuff to work against.
1: mm <laughs>
0: and your kids can be that when when they're doing kind of a similar activity.
1: Yeah. I was I was going to add that also just bringing your kids into some of your work when when appropriate.
0: Yeah. So and here's the last question from Sharla. She says, when do you decide to call it quits with your project and spend time with the kids? And when do you tell them you need to get this done first? So Hopefully, because of the boundaries that you set, because there's a, a schedule in place, you don't necessarily have to run into that problem. But let's, let's just kind of create a hypothetical here. Let's say that your children are pretty well self-managing. They don't generally need your attention. And so the time that you have set aside, even when you're responsible for the kids, has been pretty reliably uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. And so you're working on your projects and you've, and, and and you're, you know, maybe in the middle of doing something and uncharacteristically, they come in and they interrupt you and they, they want to do something. They need you for something or they want to play a game with you or something like that. I would say that if you have enough margin time, if you, if you have enough of a buffer for your project that you could give them your attention then, then I say take advantage of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that, that really comes from my values about spending time with the kids and, and having some quality time.
1: Yeah, they're not um, always going to want to play with us.
0: But, but what, what also has to happen is a clear communication there. You, ha- you have to say, okay, I'm, I'm in the middle of this project right now, but I do have some other time that I could work on that. And so I'm going to go ahead and say I'm done with this project for the day. And even though I would normally work for another 30 minutes, we're gonna. Sp- I'm going to spend that time with you. You communicate all of those things. You let them know about where the boundary normally is. You let them know about the decision, the, the intentional decision you've made to spend time with them because it makes it more powerful, but it also maintains the fact that that boundary does exist. And it also demonstrates for them that you have managed your time in such a way where you can put work off to another time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So another question from Terrence in the chat room, he's a hand letter, hand lettering artist. He says, should I bypass crayons and immediately give my kid Tombow dual brush pens to play with? Mm. If you want to clean up that mess, <laughs> Be my guest.
1: They would probably just destroy it from our experience.
0: I shudder. Anytime I walk into a room and I see that one of the twins has gotten a hold of a Sharpie marker. Anything. Yeah. Anything that's permanent. Even
1: a crayon. (laughs) We let them have crayons, but they seem to find them. I mean, they've colored their door red. Yeah. Before.
0: Also, the washable... Uh, what are they? The oil pastels?
1: Yeah, they're not really washable. The, the
0: washable pastels, the, the Crayola ones that you can buy for kids, they don't come out of carpet.
1: Yeah, they don't. Yeah, we have some interesting drawings on our carpet, courtesy of twins. Yeah. I'm going to write a book about twins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is it going to be a...
1: A humorous book, like...
0: Oh, I was going to say a horror.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Humorous horror book. Oh man! All right. Yeah. Um, I did want to add one thing. I know we're low on time, but um, I did. I saw some discussion about just the breakage, the br- the breakdown of the day, and related to how much money each person contributes to the marriage. You know, mm-hmm. so like you and I both work from home, we trade off our day in equal parts, but you're responsible for most of the income because my work is really just building right now and building products and, um, you know, continuing to write books and those things don't pay until you finish them. And that takes a lot of time and work and all of that. And so I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like the way that we break up our day, sometimes I do feel a little guilty about it because I'm like, you know, I'm not contributing, very much right now.
0: Can I, can I interject? Yeah. Okay, so that discussion assumes that money is the deciding factor for what makes the time that you spend on something valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just not true. There are so many other pieces to that. So, for example, the time that you spend writing, let's say that we are calling it an investment. Mm-hmm. So it could be something that potentially in the future where you're basically investing that time right now
1: oh, so it that will in, the, be. in
0: the future, there will be a return. What?
1: Oh, there will be a return.
0: Yeah. But let's, let's say for the fun of the argument that there would never be a return. What also happens during that time is you're fulfilling something that you would, ex- would explode if you weren't able to do. That brings you a lot of joy and fulfillment and 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 helps you to be a better mother and a better spouse mm-hmm. and so the value of that time to the to the family is not just focused on money it it really and and money is really the least of the the smallest part of the value the bigger part of the value is is how whole it makes you and how that spills out into other areas of your life. So, when you're having that conversation, I just want to encourage you not to think about it in terms of dollars and cents and who's more profitable. Certainly, you've got to be smart and yeah. practical and and be able to pay your bills. But beyond that, don't don't just make it this black and white thing of, okay, well I earn 40% of the income, so I only get 40% of the available work time. Mm-hmm. Because there's way more value to the time than just the money that that time makes.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with That's right. In com is where you can find all of our episodes, you can read show notes, you can also sign up for our newsletter there, and we will send you an email every week with not just a link to the show, but also some quick takeaways. We Here's what I do. I do the show notes for this show, and it takes a long time because I'm actually basically rewriting our conversation in a readable format and then making sure that the time links up with where it's playing in the in the audio. What I also do after I've written everything I go through and I find the most important pieces, the little bite size bits of information that if you didn't have time to read through the whole thing, you could look at those and you'd still get a great deal of value and you'd have something to work from. And I, I pull those out and I put it in a section called quick wins and takeaways. I think it's something like that. That's there in the email. And I just, I send it straight to your inbox once a week so sign up for the newsletter in the boat with sign up for our newsletter. You can also help out the show by going to in the boat with slash iTunes and leaving us a positive review. Yep. If you want to find Rachel, she's on Twitter. Oh, you know what? She's at racheltolson.com She's on Twitter at Rachel Tolson, and I'm on Twitter at Ben Tolson. Last but definitely not least, one of the big ways you can help out the show is going to slash community. This show is supported by the people who have memberships with this community, and this community is incredible. It's filled with like minded people who are struggling and, and working through the same things. They're all so encouraging but honest. They'll, they'll give you the kind of feedback and insight that you need to work through your own personal problems. They're coming from different walks of life, everybody in different places. And so you get the, you get the benefit of having all of this added experience. And and so I can't, I can't say enough that you should definitely check it out. See what it's about. SeanWest.com slash community. Alright, thanks for hanging out with us today, and we will talk to you guys next time. talk about this a whole lot, but I, I wanted to bring it in to the after show at least and, and just encourage people again who are doing this alone and without help. And, and this doesn't mean that you, you don't have a partner or spouse there, but maybe, maybe your spouse works full time. Yeah. And when they get home, they're just drained and tired. And, and it really does take both of you during those transition times to get through everything with the kids and and so you feel you feel like you just don't have any time not even not even 30 minutes a day to work on or build something toward your passion and i i want to encourage you to reach out and ask for help
1: yep asking for help is a hard thing because sometimes it feels almost like failure like we can't handle it on our own.
0: Yeah, we're not meant to though. Yeah. The the greatest accomplishments, the most beautiful works of art, the the things that add beauty and meaning to the world were not done by people who were working completely alone without any support. We we need each other. And the person who wants to help you who's willing to come in and and free up some of that time, you're you're doing them a favor. You're giving them an outlet to give of themselves. And it's, it's not, it's not an inconvenience. You have something inside of you that you need to get out into the world. You have a contribution to make. Mm -hmm. And that contribution enriches the lives of the people around you and potentially the many lives. Yeah. And so it's, it's important. It's important to ask for help. And, and that's the gift that the helper is receiving is being able to make that contribution possible.
1: Yep, I agree. I think we, we always said once our kids are older and stuff, we'd like to be giving the gift back to other parents, you know, like having our boys help keep other kids and those kinds of things because we know how, I mean, it's, it's rough, we're in the rough years, you know,
0: I've, I've had the experience enough where, whether it's, whether it's us or I see it happen to somebody else where somebody actually comes in we've, we've been very fortunate because of, of what we were doing vocationally in the beginning, uh, leading worship for churches. We were very visible members and because, it wasn't, it wasn't just the fact that we were doing a job, but get, people were having experiences and, and they felt like they wanted to give back to us because of those experiences. Mm-hmm. So we'd be kind of silently struggling through some of the more difficult parts of, of raising children and somebody would come up to us and, and say, Hey, I don't, I don't know if you guys really even need help. I, I felt a little bit embarrassed, you know, coming up to you and asking, but I I just felt like I really needed to, to say, if you ever need somebody to watch your kids for a couple of hours a month or something, you know, please don't hesitate to call. And, and I would, I would feel this way, but I didn't express it visibly, but I would look at you and you would just kind of, (laughs) there's, (laughs) there's this relief that washes over you (laughs) that somebody else sees your silent struggling and is willing to relieve some of that pressure.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure I would always cry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I wouldn't cry on the outside, but in the inside.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely important to have a support community around you, especially if you live in a place where you don't have a lot of family, which is kind of where we are. Yeah. Um, it's important to build that community around you. So ask for help.